a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Now, this may fall into the category of you get what you pay for, or maybe you pay, somebody has to pay for what you get. The $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that Congress passed last year, of course, was supposed to be fully paid for and funded. But the Biden administration made a move that will make those roads and bridges just a little more expensive to construct, uh, helping us break all of that down. Christian Bridgekey, an associate editor at Reason, Reason Reason.com, joins us to, to help us figure that all out. Christian, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, so as you look at the the $1.2 trillion, again, it's supposed to be fully paid for. Uh, you had a piece in Reason that uh, talked about the protectionist regulation uh, seems to be undermining some of the president's own infrastructure plans. Tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, for uh, decades now, um, federal infrastructure pro- or federal laws required that um, – Dollars spent, uh, you know, federal infrastructure dollars um, for roads, bridges, uh, transit projects, what have you, that um, they be um, that they go towards uh, they have these buy America requirements that um, they buy domestically produced steel, iron, uh, trains, buses, things like that. Um, the infrastructure bill that passed in November. Uh, expanded those requirements to include other materials that will come with the, you know, you might have in your project, uh, copper wiring, uh, plastics, polymers, uh, other materials. Um, and then most recently, uh, this week, the administration came out with new guidance that is also going to make it more difficult for people, uh, spending those dollars to get waivers from the federal government. Um, you know, the federal government, it, it normally will allow people to not have to comply with these Buy America requirements when the costs are, you know, uh, astronomically higher than just importing things or if there's just not domestic, um, those d- domestic products that are available. Um, but uh, new rules from the administration are going to make that more difficult by requiring basically the White House to sign off on any such waiver or requirement. It's really centralized. The review of these waivers is going to make it more difficult for project sponsors to actually get them. Yeah, I know it has raised uh, a lot of angst and frustration uh, from a, a whole host of <laughs> different folks, from the federal contractors to uh, even uh, general contractors in America today. Tell us what they're, what are they most complaining about, and uh, how do you see this playing out? Sure. So, I mean, their, you know, their their complaint is that. Um, so, I guess to give you a little bit more detail. Um, the new requirements. Normally, what would happen is when you request a waiver, say you're building a, a new rail line and you're being funded by the Federal Transit Administration, then 
you would ask the Federal Transit Administration for a waiver from these biomedical requirements, and they would decide whether to give it to you or not. Now what the administration is requiring is that not only would uh, the FTA have to look at this waiver, um, also the uh, Office of Management and Budget, which is one of those obscure but very important agencies in the White House, will have to review it. They're Made in America office. And the whole purpose of that is to make sure that they're not handing out too many waivers. And so um, contractors have complained that this is, I think um, the one quote I used in my article was that this is like asking the Department of Education every time, you know, you want to take a, your kid wants to take a sick day. Um, they say that this is going to be, you know, just extra burdensome when they're already faced with rising material costs. They already have to navigate a confusing bureaucracy. This is just one more layer that's going to make things more difficult. Um, as I mentioned in my article, too, it's um, it's particularly difficult for the, the new infrastructure bill that passed. It's made a lot of funding opportunities available for uh, smaller um, jurisdictions, you know, municipal bus services, counties that would normally – they would, uh, you know, the money would pass through a state organization. And so these smaller jurisdictions, they maybe aren't as practiced at dealing with the federal bureaucracy. And now that federal bureaucracy that they're going to have to deal with is getting bigger as well. So on, on both those points, um, it's the law is becoming uh, more burdensome. Yeah, and it seems to me, uh, we have always talked about in the state of Utah, that we can put a lot more steel and concrete in the ground uh, doing it from here rather than you know taking those federal funds where we have all of those requirements, all of those long lines to wait in, as you said, Christian, in terms of the bureaucracy back in Washington, D.C., uh, to go through and give waivers and grant permits and, and all of those kinds of things. So, so what comes next in terms of actually getting steel and concrete, building roads, building bridges? Um, sure. So, I mean, the um, the new infrastructure bill it has made um, a tremendous amount of money uh, uh, available for new projects. Um, I think uh, an additional hundred billion for roads and bridges. Um, another, I think, sixty billion or so for transit projects. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, um, jurisdictions, uh, you know, states, uh, metropolitan planning organizations, so forth, they will apply for that money. Um, grants will flow out from the federal government. Um, and then once, you know, projects are underway, then people will be asking for these waivers. And so I think that's where you maybe see some of these, uh, uh, these blockages. Um, I guess I should also mention, which, uh, kind of, ha- which happened, uh, earlier this week as well. The administration has also, uh, is expanding environmental review requirements for these projects as well. The Trump administration tried to streamline federal funded, federally funded projects by limiting the amounts of environmental review that they'd have to do. Um, and the Biden administration is bringing those requirements back. And so, you know, in all sorts of ways, you know, whether it's uh, demands that you buy American-made goods, you have to go through Washington's uh, environmental review process. Uh, the Biden administration, they want to spend a lot of money, but they also want to make actually spending that money as difficult as possible. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. All right. And then uh, finally, before I, I let you go, Christian, uh, it, it does seem that the administration is uh, is kind of doing the opposite of the entrepreneurial approach of always trying to get more bang for the buck. The administration seems to be doing uh, let's do less because it will give us more control. Uh, and is that a strategy that's going to hold or is that going to uh, backfire on the administration as this actually starts happening? Well, I mean, it'll backfire in the sense in that they won't get as many projects or as high-quality projects um, as they could for the amount of money that they've spent. But this is, I mean, this is a very common um, approach to infrastructure spending. You you notice it any time a politician talks about how many jobs this infrastructure project is going to create. Um, you know, jobs 
are a, a cost, a byproduct, an input into the, the project. The thing that you want is the road or the bridge, what have you. Um, but by, by administration talking, you know, prioritizing job creation, they're not the only ones to do this. They're kind of the costs are the points, right? right. Um, it's not that you're getting a new bridge; it's that you're rewarding, you know, political allies, unions, whoever. Um, and again, the, you know, Biden administration is far from the first uh, to talk like this. Members of both parties do this, but it's just kind of an inherent feature of government infrastructure spending. Is it's a lot of times it's less what you're actually buying with that money and more the fact that you're just spending it. Period. <laughs> Which leads us to so many other conversations. <laughs> Christian, I'm going to have you back on another day. <laughs> we'll, we'll unpack all of that. That was a, a great closer there because I think you actually just nailed uh, what the real issue is. Again, left, right, and center. Uh, this is this is really where things go sideways. So Christian Bridgeke, Associate Editor at Reason, a great piece on Reason.com. And uh, these are important conversations because, again, we got to have outcomes and we have to be able to see where's the waste, the fraud, the abuse, where is it just rewarding uh, the wealthy and the well-connected and the cronies uh, versus actually getting concrete and steel in the ground. Uh, again, Christian, thanks for joining us today. Yep, thanks for having me on. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. And when we come back, Andy Field's going to join us. We'll uh, talk about uh, some of the things that are happening by way of Russia. They are they had successfully test fires a nuclear-capable missile. We'll break down the impact of that coming up next. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.